So, uh, my name is Pastor Johnny, and I'm going to apologize first off. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is doing this, but, um, like, I'm a big allergy wuss, and so right now, like, allergies are just going crazy, and so um, I have this really weird voice. Somebody just sneeze. <laughs> a really weird voice and a stuffy nose, so uh, I apologize for that, um, but I'm wearing these cool glasses to say that I'm hip and I'm smart at the same time, right? So I hope you believe me. Uh, my name is Pastor John. I'm delighted you're here. Love Wednesday nights. I love being in worship together. Um, we call this United Worship because that's exactly what it is. We're united in this place, singing uh, praises to God's name, hearing uh, wisdom from the scriptures, uh, and then an opportunity for us to be together in our groups to discuss um, uh, the scriptures in community together. To me, it's all about unifying under that name of Christ. Now, with that, I know that that means that... Um, that I. You may think that means that I'm assuming everybody in here is a Christian, you know, and, and my hope is the answer is yes, right? I want everybody to be a Christian because I've found Christ. I'm a Christian. I think it's a great thing. But in reality, I know that everybody in the world is not. So here's a couple things I want you to hear. First off, uh, if you find yourself in this place, uh, you know, fully devoted Christ follower, you followed Christ all your life. Uh, or if you find yourself on the opposite of that spectrum, you're not sure about this whole God thing. You got dragged here by a friend, you know, whatever. Uh, my my uh, encouragement is that you are here, right? Uh, that encourages me. Uh, but I want to encourage you, the deeply committed Christ follower or the person that wants nothing to do with God or Christ at all. I, I'm just glad that you're here and I want you to know that you're welcome on either end of that spectrum to be here. Uh, there's no pre-qualifications for coming into this room and being a part of this group, right? And I hope, for those of you that would find yourselves as not being Christian, that maybe you hear something in the night that causes you to ask a question. And if you have a question, you're going to be in breakout groups. Great place to ask that question. Or any of the staff and volunteers, you can find them as soon as the service is over um, and ask that question of them. We're, we are totally open. We want to we hear from you. So that is my encouragement. I'm just glad you're here. Whatever into the spectrum you are, you're here, and I think that's awesome. So you got a little handout there. Um, if you need a pen or a writing utensil, on the back of most of those chairs, there's, uh, there's a pen there. I encourage you to grab that. There are going to be some notes that appear on the screen, uh, some fill-in-the-blank type stuff. Um, also, on the back of that sheet, there's a bunch of blank lines for notes. If you are a note-taker, if you are an act, we call this active listening. Uh, if you're an active listener like me, because if I don't write notes while somebody's talking, I think about other things, right? I, I, my mind wanders to other stuff. So if I, if I actively take notes or draw pictures about what the speaker is saying, um, I, I'm an active listener and I, I, I soak it in a little better. So that there is for you. So last week, last week we started by asking ourselves the question, how can God be fully human uh, or Christ be fully human and fully God? That doesn't really make sense. And we talked a little bit about that tonight. We're going to continue on that. We're going to ask ourselves another question, a tough question of faith, a question that we're going to do our best uh, to answer. But I can tell you that this question, uh, theologians, people that are uh, old and gray and look like Gandalf and have spent their entire year, entire lives like studying, right, studying the scripture or Dumbledore, whatever is, you know, your jam. Uh, and uh, they've spent their entire lives studying scriptures and they still don't know the answer to this question we're going to ask tonight, right? But by asking it tonight, by wrestling with it a little bit, by gaining some sort of wisdom from it, uh, hopefully it will have some good application for our life. and We'll get a little better understanding of who God is, who Christ is, and what that means for us. So the question we're asking ourselves tonight is, why did Jesus have to die? 
Why did Jesus have to die? Now, we sang some songs up here, that last song. It's called True Love. It's by a guy named Phil Wickham. One of my favorite songs of all time. Just love the poetry of the lyrics, the way it describes God's heartbreaking um, and all of creation kind of feeling that um, in that moment. If you read the scriptures, look in the, in the Gospels, in Matthew or Luke, and in, in, in the crucifixion of Jesus. The way they describe the way the creation reacts to the death of Jesus. It's just, it's super beautiful. So, um, but I think this is a fair question. I think there's a really easy, like, Sunday school Bible answer, like, oh, well, he died for my sins. He had to die for my sins, you know, and that's kind of the thing that we throw around. But my question to that is, if God is God, couldn't he have come up with a better plan than that? Think about it. He couldn't come up with a better plan than, like, manifesting himself as a human and then getting killed? Like, I feel like he's God and he's got lightning bolts and he's got a, a magic wand or something that he could just fix everybody, Right? Why did Jesus have to die? So that's what we're going to wrestle with a little bit. So in order to do that and to try to get a better understanding or at least somewhat of an answer to this question, uh, we're going to be in the, uh, the book of Philippians. It's actually a letter uh, that was written by a guy to a church in a place called Philippi. That's why they call it Philippians, right? Um, and so you'll find there in chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, uh, that's where we're going to be. Uh, I'm going to do kind of like we did last time. I'm going to start by reading this entire verse. Uh, it's a long one, 5 through 11. Uh, this is an, an entire passage. I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to break it down into chunks to try to get some understanding. All right, here we go. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, going through verse 11. It says this, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the, the, in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Big words. We're coming back to him. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, When you read in the Bible, anytime you come across the word therefore, it's like in math, there's like an equal sign. So before the therefore, there was all all these facts, and then the writer is saying, so because of all of this, here's the answer, right? Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're going to start by looking at the first two verses, 5 and 6. Last week, this is what we talked about, right? Uh, Jesus being fully God and fully human. And because Jesus was fully God and fully human, this is where we landed. So if you missed last week, let me just sum up this whole sermon into one sentence. Because Jesus was fully God and fully human, we get a clear picture of who God is and what we're capable of. A picture of who God is and what we are capable of. So here's what verse 5 and 6 said. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. So here's, uh, here's our first slide. Here's our first fill in the blank. Get ready. Click your pens. Here we go. Jesus was God's ultimate gesture of grace and love. 
Jesus was God's ultimate gesture of grace and love. So you see in there that he came, though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. So he didn't flaunt the fact that he was God. He didn't expect everybody to come and bow down to him when he walked around and said, hey, by the way, you know, I'm that Jesus that everybody's been talking about. And he didn't expect everybody, oh, Jesus, you know, and, you know, uh, but instead he came to serve, right? Instead he portrayed the true nature of God as one who lives and ultimately, as we'll find out, dies for others. This, some would say, is the ultimate act of love from God, that he would come and live among his creation. The creator came and lived with creation. And instead of using his God powers to avoid the messiness of life, anybody in here have a messy life from time to time, right? Amen, me too. Life can get messy sometimes. And instead of using his God-like powers to just avoid all the messiness, right, he, he entered into it. The creator entered into creation as creation. So God did not avoid all the messiness of human life. God, through Jesus, lived life just like you and me. The creator lived among creation as creation. This also means that Jesus was fully vulnerable in his relationships with others. Now, if you've ever been friends with anybody, you know this. Being friends, being living in relationship with people, you have to there there's some element of vulnerability. God was taking a risk by living among us because God's creation had the ability to accept Jesus or to deny Jesus, to love him or to hate him, to live with him or to kill him. Now, some of you, some of you know this. When you, some of you may have come here on your own, uh, showed up by yourself, and we. Uh, and this doesn't go away as an adult because I'm the same way. When you come in and you don't know anybody, you ever been that? Been there? Maybe you're here tonight thinking that, but like in a class, in a school setting, at an event somewhere, and you go and you know that you don't know anybody there. That's the most terrifying thing in the world to me. Because I feel like I'm going to go up and say hi to somebody. I'm going to work up all the nerve to go, like, be friendly and, like, hi, I'm Johnny. And they're going to go, oh, <laughs> you know, like that, and, like, walk away from me, right? That, I mean, even there, we don't even have a relationship yet. I'm just trying to spark one, right? And there already is some vulnerability. I'm so nervous because I might get rejected. Somebody might look at me and go, uh... No, thanks. You know what I mean? Like, I walk away. Like, I don't get to be friends anymore. I'm back in school now. I'm at, I'm at uh, grad school at TCU. And it's, it's like that. You walk into class and you sit down. And it's like, man, I feel like I'm in middle school all over again. Like, I sit down. I'm looking around like, I hope people will talk to me and like me, you know. <laughs> um, it's like that. Relationships can be messy and vulnerable. And that's what God did. He entered into his creation going, I'm here, <laughs> you know, hoping that people would accept him, but knowing that it was possible that people would reject him. Um, and so to me, that is just an ultimate gesture of grace and love when God, instead of just sitting up on his throne up in heaven, looking down at everybody, came down and lived amongst us, uh, feeling the same things that we feel. That's amazing. We're going to move on, seven and eight. But emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This brings us to our next point. If the life of Jesus was God at God's best, then the cross was humanity at our worst. 
if the life of Jesus was God at God's best, the cross was humanity at our worst. The creator has come to live among creation as creation. And what does creation do? Totally reject the creator. God in this ultimate move of vulnerability and coming down to earth on our level. And what do we do? Kill him. We didn't just make fun of him. We didn't just reject him. We didn't make him go sit in the corner by himself. We didn't point and laugh. We killed him. When God was at his best, humanity, we were at our worst. And Jesus, God, in Jesus, remained faithful to his call to live among us. And in that moment of his death, we see God at his best and humanity at his worst. This is what we mean that he became humbled and obedient. He just stayed the course. He remained human. We're going to get to what the, the brevity of this in just a minute. But that's what that humble and obedience means, that Jesus stayed true to that human form that he was born into. All the way up, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we don't have time to go into it tonight, but just, just know that death by cross is pretty awful. Maybe the worst, right? It was, it was really bad. Romans did it to make a point, to humiliate and agonize whoever that was. And they did it in a very public way so that everybody could see you don't mess with Rome. This is what happens to you when you mess with us, right? That's what they did to Jesus, right? So at our, at God's best, we were at our worst. But luckily, luckily, as we sing in these songs, that's not the end of the story. We'll move on to finish off here, 9 through 11. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Because of this mighty act of Jesus, this incredible display of humility and obedience and love, his service to humanity, even when humanity completely rejected him. The true nature of God is seen. See, Jesus had the ability, I guess, if he was God, when they're like, hey, Jesus, we're going to crucify you. He could have been like, Jake, hey, guys, I'm God. Watch this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right? Or they could have got, like, he could have let them go on with it. Yeah, sure, we're going to crucify me. I'll carry this thing up the hill. Yeah, okay, whatever. And as soon as they start to hammer the nails in, the nails just, like, crumble into bits, right? And then he flies up off the cross and spins in a circle and flies away into heaven, right? Or he could have gone up to the cross and then just hulked off that cross and started, like, zapping lightning bolts at people. This is what I thought. This is what I thought as an eighth grade boy. I thought, why didn't Jesus just hulk off that cross and just start like punching people out, right? This is what I thought, because he's God. Why did he let this happen? Why did he have to be this obedient? Why couldn't there be a better way, right? Why did he have to die? So think about this. Had Jesus gone up there and thought in the middle of that crucifixion, this really hurts. No thank you, right? I'm God. I don't have to put up with this anymore. And then he gets down at the cross, does whatever he would do. 
At that point, to me, if he gets down off that cross and he starts zapping people with lightning bolts, what does that mean for those people in that moment that were at their worst? What does that mean for those people? That means for like the very few people that were crying and weeping because Jesus was being crucified, one of which was his mom, that means that, okay, you are still good. But all the rest of you, right? All the rest of you here, all the rest of you everywhere else that knew this was taking place and didn't come rescue me, rescue me, all of you, like what does that mean for them? Jesus being obedient to the point of death, if he struck down everybody that rejected him, if he struck down everybody that was responsible for taking part in his crucifixion, if he struck down everybody that messed up, what would that say about God's grace and God's love for the unlovable? What would that say about God's grace uh, and love for those that make mistakes, that get it wrong sometimes? What would that say about those that doubted? How would Peter, how would he be judged in all this? Right? If you've read the story, you know that uh, leading up to this crucifixion, people were like, hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? And Peter's like, uh-uh, not me. Because I heard what they're going to do to him. I don't want that happening to me. He denied him. If Jesus hulks himself off that cross, what does it mean for all of us that at one point in time have doubted or have denied him? How far does God's grace extend if Jesus doesn't follow through completely? This is what I begin to ask myself. Thanks to Jesus, we get to see, and here's the important word, the full extent of God's love and grace. The full extent of God's love and, and grace. Now, so here, the question we ask is, why did Jesus have to die? And here, here's the statement of the night. Jesus, it's not that he had to die. It's not that Jesus had to die. It's that he chose to die. It's that he chose to follow through with loving humanity even at its worst. It's that he chose that. He chose to be humble and and obedient to his call to love all people to death, to love them to death, literally loved us to death. And I, for one, am very glad that he did. Because that means somebody like me, somebody who still has questions to this day, somebody who still gets it wrong every now and again, somebody who doesn't fully understand, somebody who doubts from time to time, that somebody like me, even when I'm at my worst, that God is still at his best. That's why Jesus chose to die. So that we can feel confident and secure that even when I'm at my worst, even when you are at your worst, that God is, will always be at his best. We're going to end tonight with a, with a word of prayer, and then you're going to go to your groups. An opportunity to kind of ask some questions, some of the notes you took, maybe some, something I said that confused you. This is an opportunity for, for you and, and, your, and your adults and mentors in your, in, your, in your groups to kind of talk this out, ask some questions, what stuck out to you. So make sure you take your paper with you, um, and they'll have some stuff in there to write with as well. Uh, but I'd like to close us with a word of prayer before we break out and do that. Okay? Let's pray. Great God above, we thank you so much for your grace 
and your love. And tonight as we've come into this place to sing our hearts out, praises to your name, God, to play games and have fun together, and also to listen to your word, to grow, grow closer to you, God. We thank you that, that you chose to live among us and that Jesus chose to be humble and obedient even to the point of death, God, because that gives us the confidence that you are at your best even when we're at our worst. We thank you for that, God. We pray with that knowledge that we have a renewed spirit, a renewed sense of who you are, that as we leave this place, God, that we can live into that grace and love, not only accepting it for ourselves, but sharing it with others. God, bless this time that we're going to spend together in conversation about, um, about your word and about your wisdom, God, and just pray that as, as we have questions and searching that you are honored in all of that. That even in our questions, God, you know our heart, and it's only to know you more. In your name we pray. Amen.